Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football, heaven. We are back. The second half of the show is here. We'll talk a little bit about Texas coming up at the bottom of this hour. And Mike Griff joining us a little bit later on. And G is in Atlanta. Hey, G. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Always great to hear from you. Thanks, sir. Thanks. I was calling uh, yesterday. A lady was calling from Tennessee. I think her name was Diane, and she said she met Willie Galton. I just want to talk about this city that he's from, a little town in Georgia called Griffin, Georgia. Right. And that is a hotbed of talent. You know, Rayfield Wright, Jesse Tuggle, just to name a few, just to name a few. And uh, people probably forgot that Willie was one of the fastest men in the world. I mean, he was robbed from the Olympics because he. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter, he... Uh, oh, that's right, they the Moscow, the, uh, Moscow Olympics, you're right. Yes, and, uh, so I just wanted to let people know about that because, uh, like I said, he was a great guy. He, he, he went into um, acting, he was on the heat of the night, and, uh, but I don't know what Willie's doing now because I was from that, my, my family's from down in that area, and uh, so I remember Willie well, his family well, so, uh, and I just want to uh, put that out there, Paul, and, uh, and when uh, John come on from uh, St. Louis, you need to put the music from the Twilight Zone on him when he's on because I mean, this guy is coming from far out, man. This is Rod Sterling <laughs> on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, you know, but you know, but that's all I wanted to say, Paul. So you guys. Well, Jay, uh, I was, I was, in fact, I was talking about you the other day with a friend of mine. Uh, that we were talking about the show and various things, and, and I mentioned you uh, and you know, how how proud we were and how inspirational you were calling after a day of dialysis and what that means to all of us. Uh, yeah, Paul. Thanks, man. Like I said, every day is a is a is a survival, but uh, you know I'm doing good, and uh, I've got a got a little issue going on, but uh, but I think they can handle it. So we going to get my well, Gee, I just want you to know, and, and I, I can't I, I can't say this enough. I, there's no none of us could possibly know what you're going through. Uh, I have friends who have been through it. it it's it, but we're we are so proud to have you as one of our friends, and we will always be thinking of you and praying for you. Thank you so much. Hey, Paul. Thanks, brother. Yeah, for those who don't know, G is going through dialysis a couple of times a week in Atlanta, and uh, really uh, inspirational to all of us here on the program. Jim is next. Yeah, I want to respond to you. But, G, I hope you don't hear this. I don't want you to hear this because I'm praying my heart out for you. I've been praying for you. You're a wonderful man. You're, you're, You're an inspiration. You're a Christian, in my opinion and you're real. This guy you're trying to call into every day is the most unreal liar you ever will meet, telling you. I want to tell you something, Bomb. This can be documented and proven. I've got the tape of it. But every stinking thing you said that I said was a complete stinking lie. I never said anything 
that I was better than, than Tiger Woods. I didn't even say I was better than Ted Williams. You brought up all these names. You are a lying SOB. It can be proven. I'm going to make it proven, but I, I, Jim, I wouldn't call Jim, you a show anymore. Jim, just answer a couple of questions. How old are you? My dad, when, I, where did I'm you play high you, school I'm football, not answering basketball? you stupid questions. I'm not answering you stupid fucking questions. How old are you? I mean, Jim, you can't answer how old you are? Is that, Okay, he used a couple of expletives and we had to let him go. I mean, that was like one of Mike Tyson's early fights. <laughs> I mean, you remember, you're not even you haven't even sat down yet. I will I, I will have a conversation with him. I won't uh, I won't engage him if he wants, but he's the one who started uh, saying that he could document how I was a liar. I Jim, I've heard the tape of that conversation. It's available on, I, I will find it. Uh, it's not hard to find. It's on some website right now. And I gave a, a loose interpretation of that phone call. Maybe not verbatim, but, but not, not far from it. Wow. Jim, uh, Jim, what I would advise you to do is maybe go outside and take a walk and calm down and maybe call again and we'll try that. It's, uh, what are we, three weeks into, two weeks into Lent? <laughs> Augie well, has I'm arrived. I'm going to hell now. <laughs> and it's your fault, fine bomb. Jim okay. Right. I'm good. Now, now you're throwing me to the devil. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Well, I'm counting. Well, I, I am, a, by the way, I am a lying SOB, according to the previous caller. Uh, I heard that, you know, you don't beat things when people are waiting the phone so I could hear everything. But you know, Paul, outside of me going to hell and burning, you think you could put a good word in for me with the Archbishop? I know he's retired. Oh, sure. Right? Uh, in fact, he is in, uh, he's in Rome right now, so I'll, uh, I'll send an SOS. Okay. Ask him if I can substitute, um, I don't know, Cokes and Sprites for calling your show as my Lenten uh, abstinence. And I don't want to, listen, I don't want to speak for the Holy Father or for the Archbishop, but I don't think you're going to uh, pay seriously for calling into the Feinbaum show after what we just got through hearing. But you see, Paul, it's addictive. I can't even for Lent in my religion not call into the show. I have not watched the show live for at least a week, but today I broke down, and I had time, and I'm watching it, and Augie keeps getting mentioned by Harry, and yeah, the Chinese bandits, that was uh, that was a hell of a nickname, and they were great. Um, and then Matt, Matt wanting to be an ambassador <laughs> to the, the UN. UN. I mean, that is a fascinating it's, thing. It's extremely fascinating, but was it yesterday or the day before where he was just trying to get a job working at McDonald's? Uh, that was two days ago, yeah. And now he's going up. Well, I mean, what, what, is Don, what did Don King say so famously? Only in America. Oh, that's true. I was going to say, what the hell did Don King say? <laughs> not much. I, I don't know. I know what Don not said, but not Don King. But So kudos for Matt. And you know what? It's great for Matt to call back and jump all over Squirrel and beat him with a two-by-four because that was ugly, knocking the poor kid's dream down and attacking him. Good for you, Matt. I don't know what you mean when you said people are mad at Augie or don't like him. I haven't been calling the show lately, so I don't know what it could have been that I said other than uh, I am an LSU fan. 
Uh, and right now, I'm not yelling for Brian Kelly's head, but we'll have to wait to the first game of the season. But, Paul, a lot of stuff has gone on since I haven't called in. And i got to say, you've got a lot of morons calling your show now um, who hadn't called in previously. But uh, that John from St. Louis, there's something wrong with that guy. I mean, there's something seriously wrong with him. If he's talking to Colson on a Ouija board, that's the only way he's going to get him. Because when he mentioned he was talking to the guy, I knew one that wasn't true. And the guy died years ago. I didn't know it was 2012. But my question to you, Paul, since I haven't called in in a long time, that whole deal with, um, with Eli Gold, I don't think I really got your take on it. Here's my take. I think okay. the guy was done dirty. I think it was a dirty deal the way he was let go. And I am by no means an Alabama fan or an Eli Gold fan. But this guy, to me, was Alabama, the voice of Alabama football. And for the way he, he, the way he was just dismissed, it seems out of turn. Let me ask you this question, yes or no. Was he done dirty? I don't want to give or, you a, uh, a nuanced answer here because okay. I, I, I am okay. privy uh, and have been privy for some time to information which I Listen, I'm not independently investigating this thing, okay? I want you to know that. I I have spoken to both sides over time, and there was a conflict probably a year and a half ago when Eli was MIA. Do you remember that? Nobody had heard from him, uh, including those of us who have been friends with him for 40 years. And something went down between Eli and the and the university. Uh, there was there, there were, I, I wouldn't call it a miscommunication because that's not exactly how it's been characterized. I don't think they ever quite got over it. They made the decision to uh, leave him home on the road games. That was something that he was very angry about, and oh. it was leading toward I that was uh, his decision. No, it was not his. I, de- he, I, I can oh, oh. I can t- I can tell you right now that wasn't his decision. Oh, okay. Uh, he continued to travel doing NFL games. Uh, he was he was able to travel, and that was just oh. a a nice way of trying to lessen the blow. I think uh, I think the uh, person that got the job was considering leaving, and I, I believe this is just an opinion that the university tried to keep him because he was he was the future, and they were looking for an exit strategy, and they f- they couldn't fi- quite find one, and then they came up with this. Something happened, though. I don't want to use a lot of historical uh, characterizations, crossing the Rubicon, whatever. But, I, but apparently that relationship was done, and it, it had very oh. little time left in it. Well, see, my whole opinion has changed because you actually gave uh, good info today. So let me ask you this. Okay. Has your relationship with Eli changed uh, I would say yes. Uh, I mean, I, I still okay. consider him a longtime friend, but uh, it, it, I have not really heard from him in a while. And uh, probably, I mean, I, I did stand up for him a year ago when this happened. If you may, you may remember that, you may not. It's not that it was a big deal. I felt, I felt like he, he had been treated unfairly, and I was corrected on that assumption very quickly. Wow. 
Well, Paul, the only other thing I have to say is that the Pennsylvania Department of Children and Families is very interested in getting in contact with you because I think they believe you are contributing to the delinquency of a 12-year-old <laughs> caller into your show now. Well, uh, but anyway, Paul. I am, by the way, I am proud of that because I, I, I have spent my, <laughs> my life corrupting the youth of America with this show, and I'm going to continue that. Hey, and congratulations. You got Jim to call in. You guys have been working very hard to get him to call in. And we did. succeeded today. So, hey, thank you. Um, and by the way, thanks, Augie. Uh, good luck with Lent. Uh, and as far as Jim is concerned, I, I probably should have allowed him to, to continue to assail me. Uh, but, Randy, I thought it was worth a question, didn't you? Yeah. And, and by the way, I didn't ask Jim uh, about a personal relationship with I didn't ask him if he's ever stolen anything. I didn't ask him anything other than his age and when did he play high school football and for whom. And I didn't think that was that big a deal. I thought it was a legitimate question that many have asked me to ask him. I, I should have. I guess I just continued to make up stuff about me that wasn't true. We'll take a short break and we are back after this. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Back on the show that never ends. Thank you for being here on a Tuesday afternoon. Brad is up next in Macon. Hey, Brad. Hey, Mr. Paul. How you doing, brother? Brad, we're doing great. Thank you. Let me go ahead and apologize for about to chastise one of your callers, and then uh, save me a little time for a message to a fellow caller. But Daryl, stop calling in here talking about what what Vegas says about Georgia, what some committee says about Georgia about being number one. Look, Alabama's kicked our ass one out of eight, one out of nine times. So stop calling in here talking smack like that until we have a reason to talk smack. 
which you shouldn't do anyway. But <clears throat> having said that, Mr. Paul, it was really good to hear from Jay today. It was. He's one of my favorite callers. Even though he's an Alabama fan, I don't hold it against him. Uh, my dad fought cancer for a long time. And so, Jay, I know being right there by the bedside with my daddy, what that's like, the, what he went through. And, Mr. Paul, if, if Jay wants my number, tell him to call me anytime he wants to. And uh, I will pass that along. Just one time for Jay. Just one time for Jay. I won't do this much, but roll damn tide. Thanks, Mr. Paul. I hope you have the rest of a good day. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate the, those kind thoughts uh, for Jay and everyone. Let's check in with Shane up next. Hello, Shane. Hey, Paul. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? We are doing great. Thank you. Good. Thank you for taking my call. You're the best. You do a great job. Thank I you very much. Comment on the NIL. I'm so proud of the state of Tennessee and the University of Tennessee. I guess that's why they call them the volunteers, because they took the lead step in this to try to fix all this mess we've got. You know, uh, Spire Sports, you know, these these boosters, they'll put a, a NIL war chest out here. And I just want to know what your thoughts were on that. And I've got a question about the new uh, uh, playoff format. Yeah, Shane, I agree with you on Tennessee. I think it was Chansey. Uh, a lot of people would not have done what uh, Chancellor Plowman did, but the, they ended up changing the future of the, of, the, of, the, of the sport and the industry by doing so. Yeah, I was on a fishing trip, didn't have uh, turned my phone off, but I seen on the news, I guess it was Friday or yesterday, the NCAA enforcement, like they have deleted part of uh, some enforcement division. Is that correct? I have not heard that, uh, but but ultimately what we know is the NCAA enforcement division, uh, they, they, are, they, are, they are no longer going to interfere on NIL. They still have some jurisdiction. They have eligibility questions. They have other questions, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't want to be the head of the enforcement division right now. It would be a pretty lonely job. Yes, sir. Well, they... Maybe the hot, you know, you at the hog trough, like you talked about a couple of weeks ago. But that Griffith, uh, Georgia needs to worry about uh, everybody in the SEC. You know, Texas, Oklahoma's coming in. You know, die, I'm a diehard Tennessee fan. But I just wonder what all the conferences and colleges around the nation, because there's always been four teams in the college football playoffs. There's always been two SEC teams, which is 50%, but what are they, everybody going to say when there's five or six SEC teams in the college football playoff? Is that why they're talking about expanding it already? Well, I, t- I think one reason they're trying to expand it is uh, if you're the SEC or the Big Ten and you control everything and you're, the, you're, going to leave, you're, you're going to leave teams out that deserve to be in, so by adding – and they're going to 14 or 16 – and. And quite frankly, I don't think it's uh, going to really matter. Uh, you and I are going to watch the games. Uh, a couple of teams will not have a, a bye, which is fine. And there's just going to be more game, more playoff games. Uh, the NFL wild card has been uh, made larger, and, and it's been very, very successful. Hey, thank you for the call. You be well. You take care of yourself, Shane. And Johnny is also in Tennessee. Hello, Johnny. 
Hey, Paul. Uh, how you doing today? We're doing well. Thank you. Well, I've been watching your show the past few days, and uh, then today when you got to talk about Lincoln Riley and USC, it rang a bell, and I got to thinking about uh, what they're doing at Alabama. Okay. Because you remember Lincoln Riley supposedly left Oklahoma after winning three conference championships because Oklahoma decided to come to the SEC. But before him, Bob Stoops was up there. He had won nine conference championships and was more or less the GOAT up there, the greatest of all times. And then when Lott Riley left, they they had to get an interim to take his place to play the bowl game, and they got Bob Stoops because when Stoops retired, he never left the university. He stayed there, went to all the games, went to all the practices, and a lot of people thought that one of the things that bothered Riley, Lincoln Riley, was that Stoops was always there looking over his shoulder. But anyway, they hired, then they turned around and hired Stoops to come back and be the interim coach and go to the bowl game with Oklahoma with a team that uh, that he had not coached, but that Riley had coached, and they won a national championship. And the guy that was the quarterback was Josh Heupel. And so I'm thinking the other day you had a, a guy on there that's saying that probably, or it could happen, that if Alabama doesn't win a national championship in the next couple of years, then the guy they just hired is going to be gone. And uh, then I saw some things where, you know, coach is still there at Alabama, and he's still can staying connected with all of the players and talking to them and all. And so I'm thinking, well, how does that coach at Alabama feel about, you know, him still there and looking over his shoulder and okay and everything? And I thought, well, it's probably if the guy was right about him only being there two years, then probably when they fire him, who are they going to bring back? The guy that's still there. The guy that retired is the GOAT, the greatest of all times, because he's still right there. And what? And my question for you would be, what would you think about a coach who is retired and gone, still staying connected with the players you're trying to coach, and thinking, are they going to be listening to him, or are they going to be listening to you? Johnny, thank you for the call. So, we're, we're up against a break, but let me let me offer one thing as far as Bob Stoops. I think I believe Bob's son was on the team, so he did come to some practices. But but I don't think there was any evidence that Bob Stoops interfered. He was just an ambassador for the program, uh, and Bob did come back uh, a couple of years ago and coached the bowl game, and that was it. As far as Nick Saban, we don't know yet, but I'll just give you a, my read on it, is that he is not going to interfere. Uh, he will probably occasionally show up when asked. He's still, I mean, the issue for Saban and, 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 and Kalen DeBoer is that right now Nick Saban is still a much bigger personality than Kalen DeBoer. Nobody really knows Kalen DeBoer. He's been there for five weeks. Uh, we all know Saban. He's been there. He was there for 17 years, and was the best coach in college football of all time. So I, 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 I don't know anything more than you know. But the Nick Saban that I do know is not going to be somebody who gets in the way. He will do what's asked when he can, when he's there, but I would be shocked if Nick Saban interferes with Kaylin DeBoer or does anything other than aid and abet. We'll take a short break. Guests coming up here in a minute, Mike Griffith, 30 minutes away. We are coming right back.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We're back uh, with so much interest in Texas and Oklahoma, which we mentioned a minute ago. We are really curious about learning more about what's happening in that state. Mike Craven is with us. He's a senior writer at the highly prestigious Dave Campbell's Texas football. It is a a Bible in that state and many others uh, when it comes to uh, everything that happens in that large state when it comes to high school, college, and professional football. Mike, thanks for making time for us. Good afternoon, and we're really eager to uh, learn more about the interest, uh, not only in, in, in from Texas standpoint, but especially the high schools there on what's happening in recruiting. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Paul. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I think for, for Texas high school, uh, for the players here, I think it's just kind of a, a more of an exodus into the SEC. I, I went back and looked. At the 2012 top 100 in the state before, that's the last recruiting cycle before A&M jumped over there. Uh, and there was only two teams or two players in the, in the top 30 that signed with an SEC team, one, one to LSU, one to Tennessee. Uh, 20 of the top 30 went to the Big 12. A lot of those Texas, a lot of those A&M, a lot of those Oklahoma. You flash forward to the 2024 cycle, uh, and 21 of the top 30 are going to the SEC. Only three are going to be playing in the Big 12. Back in 2012, TCU had a couple players. Baylor had a couple players in the top 30. Uh, now it, it is mostly Alabama, Georgia, Texas, uh, OU, A&M. And so uh, it, is a, it is a huge shift of where our high school players are, are ending up and who they're playing against. Yeah, Mike, obviously uh, A&M was the first one in on this. But uh, just give us the break, uh, just, just the lay of the land, I guess, in that state. Uh, with high schools, Sarkeesian is doing amazing. We know A&M has had success in the past, but what, what are you hearing from those coaches? I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, but uh, uh, how excited are they? Because Texas has been traditionally Southwest Conference, 
Big Eight, and now obviously two of the biggest guns in the state, if not the two biggest, are, are SEC. Yeah, getting that A&M Texas game back, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend, whether it ends up being on Thanksgiving or, or maybe the Friday after that. Uh, but getting that back is, is huge. You know, that's a, that's a big game in this state. If you pull all the high school coaches around, you know, somebody's rooting for somebody, right? Like even if they didn't go to Texas, they didn't go to A&M. They're, they're picking a side. They're, they're, they watched, They grew up watching that game. Uh, so that'll be fun because there's a whole generation of players right now uh, who haven't played that game who probably didn't really grow up remembering watching that game. You know, like for Quinn Ewers, you know, I asked him at the Sugar Bowl uh, kind of what he remembered about the first, you know, Vince Young run to the national championship. He barely he didn't remember that, right? You even asked him about the Colt McCoy run to the national championship game. He doesn't remember watching that game, right? And so they just don't have the history of that. So I, I think that's going to be fun to have. Uh, and then recruiting-wise, I think OU was always the honorary third team in Texas. LSU's become that, especially post-Katrina, uh, with so many Louisiana folks ending up in the Houston area that they've been a team that's really recruited there. And for a while, you know, Texas and OU held down the Big 12 front in the state, and LSU and A&M were kind of taking all the SEC players. But now all four of those teams are in the same conference. All four of those teams are in the SEC. So I would argue the four biggest hitters in the state recruiting-wise are now all in the SEC, and that, that just shows kind of a, a bigger shift uh, into the SEC. Because if you look at uh, the 2024 rankings, 18 of the top 100 signed with Texas or Oklahoma. So that's, you know, 20% of the top 100 players in the state would have normally gone into the Big 12 pool. Now even more of those are going into the SEC pool. Uh, so it definitely changes the dynamics uh, big time in this state. It even seemed for a while, Mike, and uh, I have a feeling this may have changed, but, but Nick Saban was even coming into that state years ago and, and getting some, some, some top players. Uh, how, how would you rank, uh, you mentioned the four schools, but, but how, how does it fall? I'm sure Texas is probably at the top, right? Yeah, I would go Texas, Texas A&M, and then if you're DFW in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Oklahoma is going to reign supreme as that kind of third team, and if you're in Houston, uh, LSU is going to be, you know, probably the reign supreme as that third team. We got to remember, you know, Texas is such a big state that if you're a Houston, you know, recruit, you're as close to LSU's campus as you are to Texas. A&M is obviously closer, and so they do a really good job in the Houston area. If you're a Dallas recruit, you're just as close to Norman as you are in Austin. That's why they play the game at the Cotton Bowl. And so uh, I would say Texas, Texas A&M are, are right there, and then depending on where you are uh, in the state. Uh, that changes kind of who that third team is. But, you know, the A&M bump can't be ignored either, right? I mean, the five years going into the SEC when they were still in the Big 12, they were about 21st in the nation on average. The five years after they joined the, the SEC, uh, they were about 11th. And so uh, A&M has experienced the bump. I don't know if Texas really needs it, uh, but they're absolutely been recruiting really well over these last three or four years because these players have known they're ramping up to go to the SEC. They're, they're already using that pitch and have for a couple of years. And Mike, of course, recruiting is national now. Uh, it goes even beyond that. But, but let me ask you about the University of Texas. Beyond the state, which is like a large country, as we all know, where, where else uh, does Steve Sarkeesian look? Is, is it just national or is there, there any other pockets that he seems to be focusing on? Yeah, Louisiana seems to be one. You know, last year or the year before, uh, you know, Arch Manning, obviously the top-rated offensive recruit in the state, ends up at Texas. Derek Williams, the, arguably the top-rated defensive recruit in, in Louisiana, in that same cycle ends up at Texas. Uh, he's going to recruit California and recruit it well just because of his ties there. Obviously, he was the coach at USC. He's a California native, knows a lot of people out there. 
Arizona's been another one that, that's not just a Sark thing, but that's been a, a solid one, you know, even going back to when Tom Herman was recruiting pretty well. Uh, and, and, you know, then they can go, you know, get a you know, splash in Mississippi or Georgia or Florida. But I, I think Texas is always going to be home base with Louisiana, California, and then surprisingly Arizona kind of sitting there as another option as well. Mike, we, we knew about Jimbo Fisher at his peak, uh, what he was doing in recruiting. Uh, what's your early, early being the operative word, read on Mike Elko? Yeah, I think he's more of a relationship guy. You know, you talk to the high school football coaches, and they already seem to, to kind of get to know him a little bit. The, the staff's been stopping by, the assistants, Elko, when he can. You know, Jimbo kind of, he ran afoul with the Texas High School Coaches Association, which for those not familiar with Texas, we still do it kind of the old school way where those high school coaches have a lot of power. Uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't go to coaching school last year. He didn't do a lot of those events. Uh, Mike Elko showed up himself in San Marcos at the headquarters and introduced him around. And so I think he's doing all the right things. And I think a lot of times in coaching changes, you look for the opposite of what you just had, right? It's like a relationship. You're looking for the opposite of what just didn't work. Now, Mike Elko seems to be more of a people person. Uh, his press conferences are already a lot different. It's a little bit more fun to drive to College Station and listen to him talk. And so I think he's going to have you know, better relationships across the state. Now, Jimbo got plenty of talent. So even if he wasn't best friends with these high school coaches, he was still getting a lot of, be- a lot of the good players. I think the ability to connect more will help Elko get the right players. Maybe they don't end up the top-rated recruiting class of all time, but I think there will be less guys transferring out, uh, less red flags, because he'll kind of get to vet that process more, have the ears of those coaches, and kind of get that behind the scenes uh, before they get on campus. Mike, finally, you've been around that Texas program a while, working in Austin. Uh, Two years ago, three years ago, a lot of people really weren't sure, even a year ago, maybe Steve Sarkeesian could get over the top. How did he do it? How did he go from people wondering to now one of the top four programs in America. Yeah, he leveraged the Texas talent that's always been here, and he developed that talent. He, he surrounded himself with the coaching staff that has chops, right? Like you look at the Tom Herman coaching staff, you look at the Steve Sarkeesian coaching staff, you can pretty much tell why it's different right now, right? Like Herman was getting the players. They weren't developing them. You know, Sark's getting the players and developing them. I think in the NIL transfer portal market, having a guy with some NFL experience with that type of personality as well, it doesn't take offense to this being a business, even for the players. I think it's helped also, uh, you know, he, he's still using recruiting the old school way, kind of like the draft in the NFL and then using the portal as band-aids, like the free agency is in the NFL. And so he's still doing it. in what I think is the most sustainable way He's obviously really good with quarterbacks. Uh, but I would say the coaching staff and the continuity within that coaching staff and the ability of those guys to develop these diamonds that Texas produces has, has been the biggest reason Texas has turned it around. What a fantastic conversation with Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's. Uh, Mike, many, many thanks. So we'd love to have you back sometime very soon as we head to the break right now. Uh, the Griff. Griff is straight ahead in about 15 minutes and more of your phone calls. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast. We are 10 minutes away from Griff. Let's check in with Randy in Tuscaloosa. Hey, Randy. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. How you doing? We are doing great. Thank you. I'm going to give you a little history of, of me. I've, I've called in a half dozen times. I've, I've been listening to you for, I don't know, 23 years. Well, thank you. Since I moved to Tuscaloosa. I was listening to you when you was on the AM station, and during the winter when it get dark, we'd lose you in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Hey, by the way, uh, my father-in-law uh, back then, when we first went to, uh, I think it was uh, WJOX, we were a different, he was, he was literally a mile away from our studio and couldn't pick us up. <laughs> and when it, when that's the how bad went the down, signal was. We, and that, that changed quickly. <laughs> yes. Hey, brother, uh, how much you have uh, grown since then. That's wonderful. But uh, Thank you very Jim. much. Uh, I, I seen Jim this morning. You saw Jim in Tuscaloosa? Where? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to get me some breakfast. Uh was in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, Skyland Boulevard. <laughs> and you, so you know who he is? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, I've had dealings with him, and, and I don't want to get into that because it's work-related and all that. But anyway. Listen, I, I don't want to I, – I gave Jim a, a promise once. I'm not going to reveal any secrets about him. And even though he called me called me a, a, a cheater and a liar and a despicable SOB today. But can you give us any insight into who, what he's like? I've never met him. Um, he – I don't know his age, but he's an old-ass man. <laughs> I mean, he's real skinny and feeble – like, like nursing home people. So like, uh, like but he's, I mean, he's ba- not basically, you'd say he's feeble enough to run for president of the United States. Is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Uh, he's probably got a step above. It. He's at least he still got his mind, his oh, okay. crazy mind, but his okay. mind. Yeah. Well, he he he's <laughs> definitely has his mind. We heard that today. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he was, and, and Jim's gonna say. Hey, he didn't see me this morning. Yeah, you was in your blue Lincoln with your uh, Boston Red Sox cap on and your blue flannel, your, your flannel shirt you always wear. Yeah. Well, I didn't I know he was a flannel anyway, shirt guy. And that's, he's got that on every time I see him. He's got that Boston Red Sox uh, hat. You know, Jim, uh, Jim Watts, we've got a couple of uh, Feinbaum Sweatshirts, shirts from the old, you know, back in the old days, we could probably send him a care package. <laughs> Imagine Jim walking around right. town with a Feinbaum radio network shirt on. I would love to meet you in person and just uh, tell you some personal, some private stories that I wouldn't want to put out. No, no. And, and by the way, I, I mentioned this once, Randy, and this is why Jim is so paranoid. 
I was speaking once in Tuscaloosa many years ago, and the guy, whatever the guy's name was sitting next to me, he was a titan of Tuscaloosa, and he started telling me the whole backstory on, so I, I mean, I know all that, uh, and that's why when Jim goes into a meltdown here, I, I, I just kind of let it, let it go. Well, you know, like I said, I've, I've only lived here 23 years. I'm, I'm from Mobile originally, but uh, I know a bunch of people, and just I've met a bunch of people over the years, and just for where I work, and just knowing a bunch of people, and I know people that have brothers that went to school with him, and they oh, yeah. said that he was a a decent baseball player. He was a good baseball player. Uh, now, now, uh, now, Randy, a, a, a decent baseball player. Jim told us here, did he not? He wasn't Ted Williams, no. Well, no, but he told us once that when he was in uh, playing American Legion ball. Who was it, the Dodgers or the Phillies? The guy offered him a chance to go to AAA, and he, his father didn't want <laughs> He's laughing at me, isn't he? So you don't think he was a minor league baseball prospect uh, with the Phillies or the Dodgers? I think it was the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'd have had to see his physique 50 years ago or 60 years ago when he might have been 20. Oh, did I reveal his age? <laughs> Yeah, listen. I mean, I by the way, Randy, I already know his age, but I appreciate you playing along on the on the uh, on the on the TV game show edition. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I and look, he's a. I think he's deep down under all this. Uh, you know, he might be a really nice guy, but he just. Uh, no, no, Randy. I, I have had private conversations with him in the past. And I, I think he, I, I think he's got a, a really strong heart, and I think he has a, a very strong faith. Uh, he just has a, a temper issue. Oh yeah, he's he's a personality uh, disorder. Now he don't have one as bad as that uh, that Joker in damn uh, St. Louis. Eh? No, no, uh, I mean, that guy is uh, certified. I mean, he is certifiable. I mean, Jim is just. Oh, uh, they, they ain't no doubt. There is, uh, by the way, there is medication that would help Jim. I don't he, think he's, he's just one of these guys, though. That, like, I know somebody once that was in pain in his 80s, but he wouldn't take uh, he wouldn't take aspirin or Advil because he didn't want to get addicted. I said, "You're 85 years old. What difference does it make?" <laughs> You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.